0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. How crazy is the news right now, everything going on around the world? Multi-front war. I think people are beginning to realize that we're probably already in World War Three. Who knows, really? Maybe we'll see some kind of uh, rapid de-escalation. I don't know if I'm seeing that. I don't know what the next steps are for Ukraine. You look at this whole situation in Israel and Gaza and some of the things I'm hearing from Iran and Syria and Russia's involvement, and it's freaky. Any way you want to dice it, we're really living in a dangerous time, and I want to just talk about that for a minute. I want to talk about it um, in an effort to try and make people aware of what's going on, not that you're not already aware of what's going on, but to also encourage you to make some preparations I want to talk about this report, very concise on the Hamas attack on Israel, and um, it's just crazy how ill prepared the people and the military in Israel. You say not here. (laughs) I want to talk through some of that with you. We'll get to those details. You don't you don't want to be in that situation. You don't know what to do. It was uh, I was having this conversation with my wife. Well, what would you do if I said you're asking me? She said, "Yeah, I what are you supposed to do?" I said, "Well, here's what I would do." <laughs> she looked at me, with a very puzzled look. It, you know, in those times, um, you know, decent people turn into animals basically, or you die. I mean that's kind of how that works, but before before we before we get into all that, um, look at look at the risks that we have in front of us. The economic risks, for one thing. Um, what are the practical implications of that? I don't know. The lights going out, not having police, not having certain government services that we take for granted. I don't know. Uh, government defaults, currency crisis, higher and higher interest rates, all. On some level of concern right now, seriously, I'm not the only one talking about that, let alone the economic impact of um, this migration problem, uh, not to mention our social problems like the drug epidemic and the mental health crisis, the homeless problem. Well, you know? What is the burden of that on our, our social systems? What's the cost of it? Uh, And then let alone that we have an aging population and the retirement and health benefits and care and costs that have to go along with all that. It's just on the economic front, which affects everything else. And there are real security issues. you get domestic threats from from local crime, the immigration related to drugs, mental health crisis, the homeless problem – All of these things, once these people realize how much power they have, if they can unite, you're talking about crazy problems. You already see some evidence of that here in Philadelphia uh, and other places. They call them, you know, flash mobs. It's a gang of thieves, really. Very dangerous when you think about it. Foreign threats from the border crossings, who knows what kind of attacks or what type of calls to incite violence here. What, what are the possibilities of that? Look at what happened in 2020, give you a little bit of an idea. Bottom line is, it's important to take steps to protect yourself financially, practically, and security preparations. And, you know, not everything is handled uh, through the barrel of a rifle I've said this many times I've talked on this podcast I have these LED lights and you want to do something for your security and well-being you look at this situation in Gaza and you think about the power being out with no hopes of restoration till when who knows who knows how long it could be really Who knows how long those people could be there? A little bit of light. It could be everything to preserve your sanity. It really could. And I've got a small stock of these things. And I think it's patriotic. I think it's responsible. I think it is important for uh, security purposes that if the power has to be shut down for blackouts or for whatever reason— I don't have to be a burden on whatever dwindling systems there are or rot or or worry about my family. It's going to be just fine. Maybe, maybe inconvenience, depending on how you look at it, depending on the length of time. Anyway, make preparations. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this situation in Israel, just the practical side of it. I'm not, I'm not getting into the politics of it, guys. I just... Um, I, I, the loss of human life the human suffering to me is unbearable at this point the level of hatred and and open desire to kill other people is um I, I, it's crazy to me i said to my wife it's interesting to me i don't hear any veterans combat veterans that i know talking like the civilians are talking. Nobody that's experienced it is pleased by any of this, in in any way, really. What a failure of humanity. In how many directions? I I don't know. And the possibility that it could grow much, much worse. Talks of nuclear threats and hypersonic missiles from Iran. I, I don't know the likelihood of these things, if it's even accurate. Where did all this hate come from? It's been brewing. I think they expected this to happen, quite frankly, during Obama. I really do. I think that this is is part of this power play, this seven-headed monster. What do I mean by that? The, the seven heads of state, whoever the seven... Um, big economies are, India, China, and even even though the dollar volumes, India's economy is less than the value of iPhone or Amazon, I don't know if that still remains true, or their GDP or something like that. It's not an apples to apples comparison anyway, but uh, I don't think it's meaningless anyway, because if you look at India's role in the global economy, it's it's a share And when you look at the debt averages, it's an equal share. And I think that's a big part of the inequity that these countries are getting fed up with. This devaluing of the dollar. They don't want the worthless dollars anymore. They're not seeing what's in it for them. But anyway, it's crazy time. Um, So this, this story goes through step by step what Hamas did, how much they knew. They had these maps; they knew what doors to enter. They were getting into military bases, making preemptive attacks, unarmed guards, attacking daycare facilities um It is crazy to think uh from what's reported here is about uh two thousand Hamas fighters that were able to do this. Now, this is a, a pretty small area, at least compared to the United States, if you're going to carry out an attack on the United States, let's say. That really changes things. But how about an attack on a particular city? And what would happen? How many hostages are there? I don't know the number of the, of the uh, Israeli hostages. Obviously, uh, foreigners in there as well. Is it a 1,000? whatever, say a couple hundred, let's just say that the Hamas through or whatever subgroup or whatever sympathetic group out in, say, I don't know, Minneapolis, like a place like that, like it's not a huge demographic there already, and they decide to, to storm the city and take uh, hostages few hundred women and children and they've got the Capitol building and they start taking control like that, like that Chaz district. Who, who, what do you think happens in that scenario? Do you you think that the, um, you say, Chris, that's ridiculous. Is it really, is it really that ridiculous? I don't know. Anybody. I think I could think of a million scenarios, not a million, but I could think of quite a few scenarios right now where there's, Huge risks to us right now. You, you don't think that there's already groups of 2,000 easily of of uh, capable, fighting-aged men? Wow, I would say several. Muslim, Palestinian, sympathetic to Chinese groups coming across the border. I, I don't know that they are or they aren't, but nobody knows who these people are. How much—I uh, I look at this this whole thing that Hamas did, and they say, that, you know, how well-equipped Hamas was and how prepared. And um, I think it's a lot easier to do right now. How much of this information is already available just from uh, Google Maps, for example, if you wanted to carry out an attack, if you wanted to do some—carry out some nefarious plot? And that's just the, the scratching the surface, I, quite frankly, don't even know. I have to believe that – I know that the um, – just by chance that the uh, power and gas companies, uh, they do not make their infrastructure information available publicly, but what are the chances that it is available through some back channels or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. What are the chances? You say, well, uh, you know, you can't get that information available, but if you wanted to – Take Google Maps, and you knew how to identify certain infrastructure from the aerial Im- imagery. And you, at this point, write an AI program to map it for you. I'll bet you you could. I'll bet you somebody, if they can't do it now, they will be able to soon. Take a, a satellite image and, and p- pull out where the gassing, like piping likely is. Or a million other things, quite frankly. Analyze it and, and, right, this AI for military operations, how long before it's available to criminals? What homes are most likely to have uh, large valuables? I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Um, How much risk is here? That's what I'm asking you. And uh, particularly when you think about this, What I've said, these rapid-moving small forces that are highly dangerous, especially when they can just disperse back into the population, whether it's um, youth gangs uh, um, looting retail spaces, certainly a security threat there. It's only a matter of time before they become more emboldened, bold, emboldened, or somebody becomes more tenacious in terms of protecting their property or their business. Or there's a, you know, a female that gets injured. Who knows a million scenarios that turn these things in, you know, or it turns out that there's a gang element and they go on the wrong side of the city and it it blows up and people get caught in the middle. More and more. The other thing that, that I see is concerning right now With all these calls and anger and hostility that we see, I don't hear anything about any real tangible security preparations here. Remember the terror alerts after uh, September 11th or anything like that going on? And I'm not suggesting that we should, but maybe we should. Should there be a, a heightened alert? Should schools have a higher level of security? Wouldn't these things be prudent? I don't know. You know, I'm I'm probably a little bit more on the, uh, you know, proactive. Some people would say loony side of that. You look at what happened in Israel. I look at how it's affected my wife. How emotional she is about it. You know, I'm just old cynical veteran at this point. I don't know how much really uh, surprises me. I mean. Quite frankly, I, I, to some degree, expected all this. I mean, why do you think that I've talked about the preparation? I'm happy about it. Believe me, I said it. Anyway, um, consider your position. And by the way, you know, another position is the, the ability to get out. And I would highly encourage you to consider the ways that you can do that quickly and effectively. You never know. Train derailment. Gangs, security issues—who knows at this point? You know the world has uh, has very quickly become a very different place. Let me give you uh, a quick little example of something that affects us here personally. I've talked about it a little bit, but I think it ties in perfectly with this conversation, and that is, we're on oil heat. Now maybe you're not, and you say you don't care, but even if you're on natural gas or. Uh, if you're on, uh, uh, propane, uh, propane, especially you're still reliant on oil because the trucks have to move and natural gas, uh, has its own distribution vulnerabilities in some ways worse than the oil, really. But anyway, uh, and then of course you have electric plays a role in all that because, Even if you have the oil to burn, you need electric to run the circulator pump. So um, you got to consider all these things. Anyway, we're on oil. And I look at what's going on. The price is uh, my contract pricing has right about doubled. So this has already created an economic burden for us. Uh, Fortunately, we're locked in at this peak, which is what it's at right now. Unbelievable to me, really. That's a, a whole story in itself. But I worry about uh, if there might come a time where we can't get it reliably. And I've lived through this. I lived through it it, through the 70s. And you couldn't get gas for for cars. So uh, what do I do about all this? All right. Well, uh, the first thing is I pay attention. You know, I try to monitor it. Uh, You know, I'm not a nut about it. Uh, It's October right now, so... We actually do have the heat on a little bit because it got down to about 50 for the duration of the, like a high of 50. And the house is going to get cold at that point. My daughter had friends over. I wasn't going to torment them like that. I'd be fine with that. But uh, we're going to consider the the family a little bit. And then I just, I turned the heat on. But anyway, what do we do about all? So the first thing is knowledge, all right? And that is that... uh, uh, home heating oil, um, kerosene, and number two diesel are all the same thing. And you say, well, what if, if all that is disrupted? There's a good chance that off-road diesel is going to be available. And uh, I would have to travel to get that, which could be problematic. But, you know, that might might be what I would have to do. Now the next thing is the ability to transport it, containers. And, um, you know, if you're going to go buy kerosene, you can't put that in a milk jug. They're not going to let you do that. Or a five-gallon bucket, they're not going to let you do that. So you got to have containers to move this stuff and be prepared for that. I lived through this as a kid. I remember putting kerosene in the oil tank outside so we'd have hot water. We were heating the house off the kerosene heaters inside couldn't get oil and we put kerosene in the oil tank five gallons at a time because that's how we got hot water so we could get showers to go to school i hated doing that you go as stuff stinks you're climbing up the anyway this is what you have to do right to survive the second thing that i have is electric heaters i'm going to just go through this very quickly because i don't think it's all that entertaining we got a good stock of electric space people like ah the fire the fire the fire you get to plug them as long as you plug them directly into the wall they're fine and you can't be running the thing for two weeks straight you have to cycle it on and off for sure um you know to keep the house warm when it's zero degrees out now it's no good but i use i'm thinking if i can't get oil um or the cost is through the roof i'm going to use that to just buffer the use of the oil a little bit such as when it's 50 degrees and you say well i'm not going to turn the heat on we're gonna we're going to add a layer, and but you're going to get a shower. You say, I'd like the bathroom to be warmed up, so you put the space heater on. Right next to the water. No. Anyway, electric backup. I have a good stock of propane and a heater head for that. Uh, I, th- I want to say it's 30,000 BTUs. We also have, in a real pinch, these Sterno fireplace things that kick out some BTUs as well. And we've got several days' worth of that. that. would, like, be in a real dire emergency. I don't need to get into all the scenarios. But redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. Oh, and I forgot to mention the two fireplaces we have. Uh, if, But, you know, all these people, you say, well, oh, there you go. You've got wood. Well, you got to have wood, which we always do. How much? <laughs> Not enough to get us through an entire winter, I can tell you that. So, anyway, um, this is one of the things affecting us as a family. And uh how we prepare for it and, and deal with it a little bit there. Uh what do I do? I keep continue to watch things if I if I think the severity of things increases, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna increase the number of storage containers that I have. The next step would be to preemptively load them, which gets into being a real pain in the butt because now you gotta cycle it. You can't just store it. Uh I'd have to look into it how long you can store diesel. Um, but it goes bad. Uh, and, and so you can't just leave it sitting around forever. I don't know diesel. I guess is different than gas, right? I'd have to look into it. But either way, now you got at some frequency, even if it's once a year, now you got to dump these these uh, five gallons down the tube outside, uh, so that it goes into the oil tank. And it's it's not a fun job. It's you know you figure you're forty pounds, five gallons. It's heavy, and the stuff is messy. Not good for you to get it on you. Pain in the butt. But anyway, that's what I would do. More storage. And then if it gets really bad, I'm going to fill it. But it's got to be pretty bad for me to fill those. Um, I do have an exception to that. I was thinking about getting a diesel furnace, diesel heater for my garage, which is really pig gluttonous of me. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, we all have our guilty pleasures. You know, I I consider myself an environmentalist. I hang a lot of my laundry outside, for example, but I'd like a little heat in the garage in the winter. I'm getting a little older, you know. (laughs) Why not propane, you say? Uh, I might. We'll see what happens. i got to work on that. It's not on my priorities right now. Anyway, all these different threats going on domestically around the world, and what is the focus of our military? Uh, Well, the Air Force uh, announced a new... Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Initiative. And they're going to basically ram this stuff down everybody's throats and push all the white people out. I mean, that's what's going to happen. All the straight white males will be gone within the next two years is my prediction. This is the focus of our military. It's a joke. And you say, well, it's inclusive. (laughs) Do I really need to get down this path? I don't think I want to. I'll just let it there. If you think it's a good idea, then you'll certainly vote, I'm sure, appropriately. How's that? I'm in a a non-argumentative mood today. Isn't that nice? If you feel that the best focus of our military right now is diversity, equity, and inclusion, God help us, that's all I can say. The military... And anybody who's been in it, see anybody who has not been? Well, what's what's Chris? What's the matter with diversity equity? Why why would you have a problem with it? Uh, well, first of all, the military is already the biggest melting pot, uh, and the only reason that there's any problems is because the politicians create it. Anyway, let the military take care of themselves. I say. I don't know this is uh, air force saying this maybe you never know it may be coming from within the you know this is the problem with what's happened in some of these colleges and universities they've poisoned the minds of uh, the students who became some of them became officers and some of them are now generals and some of them think they're women even you can't make this stuff up Right, in our own American military, I mean it seems like uh Soviet stuff or some uh, crazy story what, what how did how did like our society, our government, our military get hijacked? That's what I want to know. What the heck happened and, and not only that, you're not even allowed to talk like I shouldn't even be discussing this. This is hate speech in some circles. Please forgive me, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. I told you I'm not in an argumentative mood. I know it's like a different me, right? I'm just going to acquiesce today. What are you going to do? Uh, listen to this. This um, Democrat from Minnesota, this guy Dean Phillips, he's a businessman. Was, uh, what did he do? I think like coffee and Desserts or something like that, maybe wholesale business to business. But anyway, I guess he made a name for himself. He's uh, 55 years old. Seems like a pretty sharp guy. He's a Democrat in Minnesota, whatever that means. I really don't know much about him. But here's the point. Uh, He's been openly calling for uh, challenging Biden, including him stepping up himself. Now, you know, who knows what kind of shenanigans that is. Uh, But I don't think it's good for Biden, I can tell you that. I mean, just, you know, Uncle Joe's, hey, 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 settle down. I didn't call on you. (laughs) It's not your turn, Dean Phillips. Anyway, uh, what does this tell you? Well, there's a leadership crisis in our country. People are questioning the president, his own party. Where is Biden? Uh, The news uh, seems reluctant to even put him out there. I I can only guess why. But without getting political, we've got a real leadership crisis, not just here, but in Europe, Western countries in general. The focus is just backwards. People are scratching their heads, confused. Uh, The population's really in some cases quietly, in some cases not, but revolting against their governments all over the place. Same thing's happening here. People don't trust our government. Anything. It's, it's not good. The biggest political story next to RFK Jr. is this Dean Phillips. Biden is getting primaried, and they can keep pushing people off the ballot, but all they're going to do is create political terrorists. And I know the timing may not be the best to make a statement like that. So forgive me in that regard. But it really will. I predicted this. I said this. By stealing the election, by predetermining who's going in what slots, and in, in a variety of tools that the. The powers to be within both parties used to do it, which I have seen firsthand. And where I haven't, I've spoken to people who've seen it firsthand. Not all of it, but enough to judge for myself to see exactly what's going on. Essentially, the powers to be within the parties at various levels and this all—it isn't always done on some uh, harmonious level. There's division and problems. But lately, it's been a, a united front. They definitely were united against Trump. But whether it's at the county level, the state level, the local level, ultimately, it's these election supervisors that are determining the elections. They're the ones that count the votes. Wasn't it Biden, uh, Obama that said it? You know. It, 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 It's it's who counts the the votes that that matters, and we've got people counting. That's exactly what they did. And um, by predetermining the candidates and using these methods to virtually make sure it happens, maybe not always, you know, there's always going to be these internal pressures, but they create an environment where disgruntled people within who maybe really do want to do good or their own self selfish interests aren't the same as Uncle Joe's. Who knows, right? But either way, somebody is going to say, you know what? I don't like being cheated, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. It's a system that can only implode on itself, really. And I think that's what we see happening. One more point about this I'll make. Isn't it amazing how the media ignores the independents? It's like RFK Jr. is the uh, invisible man. He, he's, um, this is where he, he's, um, I don't think he was prepared. I wish I could help him. <laughs> I really do. He, he. To me, he's going down the path of Ross Perot. Brilliant, genius, saying some of the most amazing things, uh, but nobody's listening. And there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, you know, Democrats in many circles have labeled him a kook. Um, so many conservatives I don't agree with that, by the way. Um, I think that uh, RFK, I think the guy makes a lot of sense. I, I haven't really followed very closely, so somebody will challenge me on that. Uh, the bottom line is, you know, he's brought he has this plan for ho, uh, first-time homebuyers. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, young people can't buy homes. He's talked about this openly, about this problem of corporate buyers uh i don't know you know how you impose limitations on that this idea of you know blackrock buying everything i haven't seen any evidence of this by the way his claim that um you know the the blackrock or whoever is buying up all the single family homes in this country and they're going to own all of them I, I don't see any evidence of that here i do see evidence of investors uh, fixing and flipping which i view to be largely great for this uh, community Both our our local community and the the county as a whole. I see the patterns of it. They seem to do like a, they follow a a familiar shtick. The facelift, the landscape, they look great. You know, they'll they'll buy these estate sales or homes that we lived in a long time. And, uh, I mean, you'll see homes today that they're on the market and uh, easily need uh, $150,000 worth of work. And I'll tell you, that is nothing today moving into a house. I can't go on though I can't go into it, but the bottom line is uh it would be great to help young people to buy a home. You look at this um college debt um and what that's doing to young people horrible really that young people getting out of college with these two hundred thousand dollars in indentured servitude payments mm-hmm. for some crap degree that's worthless. Why are we allowing and promoting this? Makes no sense at all to me. And who knows? There's stories that I hear. Anyway, let me switch gears here. The Biden administration is saying that it may violate the law to refuse, where banks refuse to lend money to illegal immigrants. I mentioned this uh, the other day. How does the bank get the money back if the person doesn't pay? Is it really the law? I don't know. Sounds like financial sabotage to me. I'm going to get more into the economy on Friday when I come back. I still have a lot to discuss here. What would be better if I split the podcast in two? Well, I'm going to go at least a little longer. We'll see what happened, how much longer I talk about this uh, next story. I saw this first story caught my eye and Anderson's Anderson Cooper, you know, the, what's he MSNBC? I don't know. I don't really keep track of this stuff. He's gay. I don't care. It's, you know, I don't, I don't know who his mate is, or if he even has one. Um, it's his business. Doesn't matter to me. Um, anyway, his mom and he comes from like, I guess the, is it the Vanderbilt family or something like that? I don't know. But anyway, his mom offered to be a surrogate for him to have a child. Is that not like the weirdest, freakiest? He was agreeing, by the way. He said, this is beyond goofy. I don't know how to process it. Maybe she was kidding, of course. Yeah, I didn't get that one. Uh, you probably already heard the story. This seems to be authenticated. Frank Biden, Uncle Joe's brother. Naked pictures of him on a some kind of gay dating app. Okay. <laughs> uh, Denise Richards, who's an actor, and I had to look it up. I had no idea. Uh, she's... Same age as me. I find it interesting that the that age demographic is still worthy of sex symbolism. And older even. But then she had an OnlyFans site. Do you know what that is? I don't. I've never seen it. I get the idea. I guess you pay a subscription and you see these videos. That it sounds like it's mostly soft porn if I'm getting that right. I really don't know. Anyway, it's it's some kind of less than PG rated. Sorry for that interruption. <laughs> a little inadvertent sound clip. I'm not ready to end the podcast. Maybe that was an indication. We'll do part two. I think I will. I think I will. Well, let me wrap this up. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, actually, this would be a perfect segue for tomorrow. It really will. I'll come back with part two. I think it would be the best thing to do. These stories Anderson Cooper, his mom, uh, offering to have a child for him. Come on. Is that not creepy weird? You know, I'm a pretty open minded guy, I think, to tell you the truth. That's a little creepy weird to me. I don't want to go down this path. It's just, it's weird on some level. Unique, at least, you would have to say. Frank Biden, the president's brother naked on a gay dating site and you know, some kind of appears to be, you know, pretty raunchy. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't even know what I'm I'm really out of the loop on these things. I know some of you are gonna say, Oh sure. No, I really am. And same with the OnlyFans thing, but um I'm gonna say that um The likelihood of um, my wife um, doing something like that, or my daughter, uh, I'm going to say creepy weird if I were to broach this with them, which um, unfortunately, uh, I definitely would not. I'm going to pick up on this with a part two. I think it'll be good for you and me to do this in a part two. And I'll tell you where I was taking this. And I have a lot more to talk about uh, with the crime and some of the things that are going on, but uh, we'll come back tomorrow to do that to see you there. Make it a great day.